We are uh, continuing our series called From Dream to Destiny. This is today's part nine. Next week will be uh, part ten because it comes after nine. And uh, will be the final message uh, in our series. Um, so if you have your Bibles, grab them and turn to Genesis chapter 50. Uh, we'll start in verse 15. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, what, are we, what have we been focusing on in this series? We've highlighted the fact that every person has a dream from God. Uh, no one is an accident. God has a plan, purpose, and destiny for every individual, and God has a dream for you. Um, sadly, many times as, as a believer, you, you get a revelation or an understanding of what God wants you to do, what, what his destiny for you is. Um, sadly, many believers live in the dream, uh, but they don't live in the fulfillment of the destiny. So we've been talking about uh, what do we need to do? We need to pass the character tests that God puts us through so that we um, can step into the fullness of our destiny. And I don't care if you're here, if you're 17 years old, like when Joseph, um, where all of this studies from um, the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph, I don't care if you're 17, like when Joseph received those dreams from the Lord, or if you're 75, um, God's doing something in your life. And he's never done with you. As long as you're here, as long as there's breath in your lungs, he's doing something with you. And we need to live like that, amen? So we need to pass these um, character tests, these integrity tests. And perhaps it is the case that some of you have felt like, man, I'm just in this holding pattern. For years I've been trying to, you know, um, step into this thing that I feel like God has for me. It's God's will for me, but I just keep going around this mountain. Could it be, perhaps... That one of these tests, um, you have to, you keep retaking these tests and you haven't passed one of these tests. And God, out of his goodness and kindness and out of his grace, is not allowing you to step um, into something that your character won't sustain. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, when I look at these tests, these 10 tests, I've, um, I've, I've seen myself in all of them at one point or another in my life. And some of them I've seen myself ha- having gone through uh, multiple times. And that's because sometimes I'm a slow learner and God has to have to retake things, okay? So here's the deal. Passing these tests can mean the difference between dreaming big and being a big dreamer. Okay, we're Americans. We like to dream big, don't we? Dream big. You know, we should dream big. God wants us to dream big, but he doesn't want a bunch of big dreamers. And the difference between being a big dreamer and dreaming big many times, is that you have to have the character and integrity to fulfill and walk in what God has for us. Amen? So um, I'm going to do a review, and then we'll get into the new content, because I I really want to make sure you um, just kind of catch a glimpse of everything we've um, talked about in this series. Uh, If you've missed any messages in this series, this is part nine, if you've missed any of them, go back and listen to them. We've got a podcast, or you can watch them on YouTube. Um, because they've all been very good. I did the first two, and then the middle, like, four or five, we had someone else do, and I'm doing the last couple here. But part one was the pride test. Uh, God gave Joseph a dream, but he was prideful about the dream. We talked about how to overcome uh, the root of pride in our lives. Okay, That was part one. Part two was the pit test. What is the pit test? The pit test is dealing with the consequences of our own bad choices. We've all been there. We've all been in a circumstance where we were dealing with the consequences of our own decisions. How do we correctly navigate life when we're in a pit? Sometimes we end up in a pit in life. How do we navigate that? Part three uh, was the prophetic test. Um, Pastor uh, Harmony Brown taught this message. Um, And here's the deal. Prophetic words and God's written word will test you differently in different ways. Both are a crucial part of your destiny. 
Okay, what do we need to do? We need to have, um, we need to be subject ourselves to the teachings and the wisdom and the guidance of this book. And we also um, need to be obedient to prophetic words and things that the Lord speaks over us. Um, some prophetic words will happen whether you like it or not. Like it, don't like it, pray for it, don't pray for it, believe for it, you know, agree with it. They're going to happen, some of them. Um, for example, um, the return of Jesus to this earth. Jesus is coming back. You can like it. You can not like it. You can pray for it. You can believe for it. It's going to happen. Now, I want to participate and be on the right side of come Lord Jesus, you know. I want to be on the right side of that, but he didn't ask for my vote in that one, okay? He's just like, I'm doing it, and whether you like it or not. Well, and I'm, I'm actually happy that he's coming back, okay? Um, but some... Um, some prophetic words over our lives are contingent upon our participation in that prophetic word. Okay. Um, for example, I like to give this example. I've given it before. Um, perhaps you, maybe you had a dream from God to be a medical doctor. This is the dream God's given me. I'm going to be a medical doctor. This is what I feel like he's leading me to. This is what I feel like he's spoken over me. Well, how many know that if you don't then go to medical school, you're never going to become a medical doctor, at least not my doctor. Okay. <laughs> You can be someone else's doctor. I don't care. But if you're going to be my doctor, I want some uh, I want some letters next to your name. P-H-D-M-D. I want some capital letters by your name to prove that you spent a lot of time in a classroom and figuring out what you're doing, okay? All right. So we need to be obedient. Um, sometimes there's a step of faith that we have to take um, to walk this stuff out, okay? Uh, Psalms uh, chapter 105, verses 17 through 19. It says this, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they hurt his feet with fetters. They laid, he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Okay. Prophecy will test you and the word of God, the written word will test you. Now listen, the Lord doesn't test us to fail us. The Lord tests us to grow us. He's actually not testing you to watch you fail and be like, ah, Love it because I'm bored. You know, he tests us because he wants to grow us. He's committed to your growth. <laughs> you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Thank God in heaven. I think that'll happen absolutely. But in right now, we are in a process, right? Okay. The Hebrew word for test in Psalm 105:19, it literally means to refine. And so, and actually, other translations, the New American Standard says it this way, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord refined him. Okay, so the Bible refines us, and prophetic words, as we walk them out in obedience to the Lord, actually begin to bring, bring refinement to our lives. All these tests are God's way of refining our character. He doesn't discipline us for punishment, because punishment and discipline are not the same thing. Uh, not punishment, but he disciplines us for our destiny disciplines us to prepare us for our destiny and as we walk in the destiny. Amen. Okay, so that was part three. Don't worry, the rest of these reviews is, is gonna is gonna go faster. Part four was the palace test. Pastor Leslie uh, preached that message, amazing message, great stories she had to share. This uncovers the principles of stewardship that lead to God given success. Uh, part five, the purity test. Pastor Greg Brown um, preached that message. Purity affects your character. Your character infect, uh, affects your entire life. So we need a plan for purity. And Pastor Greg did a great job, shared um, 
really vulnerable examples of his purity journey um, in his life. And so, great message. Part six was the prison test, or you could say it like this, the betrayal test. Um, here's a question. Have you ever done the right thing and suffered the wrong results? Okay. The pit test is suffering the consequences of our own bad choices. The prison test is how many, how many times have you ever done the right thing, but the wrong thing still happened to you? Okay. That's the prison test. Persevering through these dis- difficult situations is how we pass the prison test. Okay. So pastor, um, Matt Tarka preached on that great message. Part seven was the power test. Pastor Adam preached this one. What is the true purpose of power? How do we correctly respond to success, power, and authority? Um, I just want to say, Pastor Greg in part five, Pastor Matt in part six, and Pastor Adam in part seven, they all shared really vulnerable examples from their own lives. Those were great messages. Please go make sure you hear every message in this series. Uh, last week was part eight, and I, we talked about the prosperity test. There came a point in Joseph's journey that he, the Lord began to prosper him. And listen, almost everyone takes the prosperity test on a regular interval, on a regular basis. You take it every time, you get a paycheck. Every time the Lord blesses you and puts something in your hand, He's actually testing you. He's blessing you, but He's also testing you. And He's going to see, are you going to be faithful to what I've placed in your hand? So last week we, we talked about living below our means, living with margin. And we talked about putting the Lord first in our finances. We talked about tithing. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither and you've never become a tither, I want to encourage you to, to become a tither. And I'm not just saying that because you're here in my church. I'm saying that because I want you to be a blessing wherever you go, and I want you to live a blessed life. Um, oddly, I, you know, this is the first message I preached coming back from sabbatical. And I'm like, oh, it's the prosperity test. That's about money and stewardship. And I'm like, bummer. Like, I wanted to, you know, loosen you guys up a bit with a message on love or something, you know. But um, we went there, and I actually had several people come up to me, and even had even had a family in the church who sent me a card in the mail, and they're like, "Thank you so much for teaching on on tithing and giving. We need to hear this. The church needs to hear this. It's a really important message. So, if you missed that message, uh, please go listen to it. And I just want to say thank you again. The announcements say this every week, but thank you for your faithfulness in your giving here at this church. It enables us to do so many great things, and uh, we just thank you for your partnership in advancing the kingdom of God. Okay, um, today we're moving on and we're talking about the pardon test, okay, the pardon, uh, or the forgiveness test. Um, we want to walk into forgiveness of ourselves and other people. Um, now, Pastor Matt Tarka, when he preached um, on, on the prison test, he talked a lot about forgiveness. And uh, so I'm not going to Go with that full direction, but I'm going to go. I'm going to talk about forgiveness, but from a little bit different of an angle. Here's the deal: um, if you can't pass this test, the forgiveness test, um, you are going to be greatly hindered from walking in the fullness of your destiny. I know this because unforgiveness is bondage, and God doesn't want us dominated by the slavery of bondage. God wants you free. Jesus wants you free. He actually wants you free. Um, he doesn't want us burdened by the slavery of bondage. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, and specifically, one of the most difficult people that we have to forgive in our lives many times is not people outside, it's ourselves. And so I actually want to land on today how to forgive ourselves. 
um, when we've disappointed, we know we haven't lived up to God's standards, we've disappointed him or ourselves. So um, before we get into the context of the scripture, I have a video I want to play um, from Pastor Mike Tyson. Did you know he's a pastor? No, he's not a pastor. He's a boxer. He was a heavyweight champion, the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. And if you know anything about um, Mike Tyson's life, uh, his upbringing was horrendous. Like, he had a really terrible upbringing. But um, there was a man who um, recognized some of his talent and really mentored him, and that's how he became what he became. Um, But Mike Tyson actually is one of the most forgiving people and um, having come through so many terrible things, he's a, a very forgiving person. But I want to um, play this clip of him talking about that. So go ahead and roll it. It's one of the things that I've lo- one of the many things I've learned from Mike is how, you know, there have been people in his past that have taken mm-hmm. advantage of him. And he doesn't hold a grudge, lives mm-hmm. in forgiveness. Ooh. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not really Oh, like, yeah, listen. Yeah, I'm not it's, like... You're not ready, brother. I'm when not you, like... When you, you, you do me wrong... No. You cross a line, like... I cut ties like the devil wins. Quick. The devil wins. So you're saying the devil wins because someone did me wrong, and I cut ties with that person. Act like I never met that person. Yeah. So I gotta be the bigger person because he changed you. Oh. Okay. So he's your master because he controls your emotions. He's not your enemy. He's your master because you're not who you used to be now. He stole that away from you. Mm. Well, you allowed him to. You can't do it if you don't know. That's hard, though, man. That's once you learn. Yeah, you think you're great now. Watch how great you're gonna be when you learn compassion and empathy. Oh yeah. Well, listen. When I was you. I wanted to be a savage. I was a savage. There's no doubt about it. I want everybody to be afraid of me. Now I want everybody to love me. <laughs> you got a trip. Mm-hmm. You let. You know. You're not gonna be 22 for long. Life go back a flick of an eye. You know. You might be a minister. You never know, you know. Life life changes us. We're born, and then something happens. And then we meet God. Life is just a flicker. Okay. And I think because of his energy, because he has so much compassion and forgiveness, people are drawn to him, and he still can't figure it out. But I think those are some of the variables. Mm -hmm. Because a guy that could be that tough and that ruthless, and we've watched, he's been in our living rooms, We've seen him do these things, and yet he doesn't hold grudges. How many want to live like that? How many want to live not vengeful and spiteful, but live free in your own heart because you're a forgiving person? Um, I like that clip because Mike Tyson's a manly man, and he's saying, hey, this is actually what's manly is forgiving people. Holding grudges and stuff, that's not, that's not manly, okay? And Jesus was the greatest example of all of, of being manly. So we want to live like that. Let's look at Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. It says this, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left us these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. I personally believe that that was a fabrication, that the brothers got together and like, okay, dad's dead now. 
um, is this guy going to repay us back? Was, was the only thing holding him back from uh, repaying us uh, that the, that our father was still alive? I actually think this is a fabricated story. So, And Joseph probably knew this, that they're lying to him. And I think most theologians believe that this is actually a lie. But notice he, he wept when he heard this message. Verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Okay, how could Joseph, his brother sold him into slavery, and for all they thought, they would never see him again. The only way that Joseph could have responded in this manner was that if he had already dealt with the issue in his heart. Clearly, he'd already settled the issue in his heart of forgiveness. Genesis 50, uh, 50, 17, this is the first time forgiveness is mentioned in the Bible. It's it's implied in other places, and it's kind of like there, but this is the first time it's explicitly mentioned in the Bible, the word forgiveness. It means to absolve fully and to release from penalty. This is really a beautiful way to live, to absolve fully and to release from penalty people from our hearts. And it literally means to lift up to bear, to lift up to bear. Now, who does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus, amen? Someone said it. That's precisely what Christ did for us. He didn't just pardon us. Yes, of course, he pardoned our sins. But Jesus actually bore our sins and paid the penalty for them. And here's what I want to say today. I want to suggest to you that if we're truly going to walk out forgiveness, we have to catch a revelation of God's forgiveness for us. Why does God want us to be forgiving? Well, number one, he wants you to be free. He wants you to live free. But he also wants you to be forgiving because he wants you to be like him. And that's what he is like. It so happens that we serve a merciful, kind, loving, patient God. God could actually hold our sins against us. In fact, when Joseph said, am I in the place of God? In other words, there is one person who has who, who has the... Um, the ability to hold our, has the right, I should say, to hold our sins against us. And that is God. He has the right to, because he's the only one that's perfect, righteous, and holy, and, and blameless, right? But it so happens that he's merciful, love, loving, patient, and kind. That's what he's like. That's the God we serve. Amen? That's the God we serve. And when he's saying, be forgiving, he's saying, be like me. Be like me. I'm a forgiving God. This is the God we serve. You know, there's other religions in the world where God is this angry, vindictive, spiteful, vengeful God. That's not the God we serve. He's a he's loving, kind, he's benevolent. Okay, this is the true God. And he's saying, be like me. Now, there's a, how do we forgive like God? There's a progression. I believe there's a progression that we have to understand. I'm going to talk about that progression today. How do we forgive like God? We must understand this. Point number one, I only have two points today. If we're going to forgive like God, we must receive God's forgiveness for ourselves. Perhaps it is that you are not good at extending grace because you're not good at receiving grace. Perhaps it is that you're not good at giving love because you're not good at receiving love. Perhaps it is you're not good at extending forgiveness because you have not actually fully embraced God's forgiveness for you. And you're treating people 
the way that you perceive God's treating you, but he's not treating you that way. Amen? <clears throat> so we want to receive his love. People are not good who are not good at receiving love are not good at giving love. We need to be good receivers. Good receivers, good recipients of God's love. Have you ever been around someone and they're just terrible at receiving a gift? It's like, I'm just trying to bless you. You're like, oh, no, it's too much. Or you shouldn't have or this and that. And it's like, just take the gift. Receive the gift. I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to love you. And you're being like, oh, i got to pay you back and all this stuff. It's like, no, receive the gift. Listen, Christians, many of us need to be reminded of this. We have to receive the goodness and kindness of our loving Father. Okay? There's nothing more exhilarating to the human heart than to feel the love, acceptance, and the forgiveness of God. Knowing that you have received love and mercy from God and you didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it is transformational to the human heart. It's transformational to the human heart, the human soul, than to feel the love, mercy, and tenderness of God having known that you didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's transformational to us. Um, it's not, this whole business of salvation and God's love, it's not a transactional agreement. Like, like what we give him in exchange for what he gives us is not like equal. You know what I'm saying? Like if you go to the grocery store and um, there's a price for a loaf of bread or whatever, um, there's a price tag there and theoretically... Um, the money that you give is equal to the amount of the goods you're receiving, right? Okay. Our exchange with God, the exchange rate is totally different. He's like, uh, I'll take beauty. I'll give you beauty for ashes, strength for tears, gladness for mourning. It's kind of like this. If you, if your car like caught on fire and just burned to the ground and then you went to the car dealership and you're like, I need a new car. And they're like, great. We want to, we want to bless you and want to give you a brand new car. And they're like, there's only one condition. Here's the one condition. You have to give us your old car. How many of us would be like, you'd be like, deal. Take the car. Right? Uh, yep. Where do I put it? Yeah. You know, how do I get it here? Yeah. You want my old burned down car? That's the only thing in exchange you want for a brand new car? Yes, of course you would do that, right? We wouldn't hang on to that old car. Listen, this is what it's like with us and the Lord. The exchange rate is amazing. We, we bring our brokenness, our past, our mistakes, our sins, our failures, we give it to him, and he gives us a whole new life. He gives us forgiveness, love, mercy, and grace. How good is that exchange rate? It's so good. It's not equal. Um, recently, uh, Pastor Harmony Brown, she taught two classes on, um, on the prophetic. We did them here at the church. And one of the things she talked about was that oftentimes we'll receive a revelation. You get a picture, or you have a dream, or whatever. God, God reveals something to you. Um, but what, one thing she talked about is one thing we have to be careful of is that we all have filters. And like you're, you're raised differently than me. Your experience is different than me. Your mindset's different than me. Um, and so oftentimes we'll get a revelation of the Lord and then we'll filter it through, well, I think God's saying this, you know. And so we have to be careful of just the filters that we have because we want to correctly interpret what the Lord is saying. She actually gave an example of this when she preached on the prophetic recently that in her mind, Everyone should travel the world, and everyone should be missionary and go, you know, travel around. And she gave an example of how she had a word for someone, and she thought that's what it meant. But the Lord was like, no, I have something else for them. So we have to be careful of our filters. In that class, we kind of did this exercise like, hey, let's ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, do I have any filters? And so I'm I'm there, and I'm like, well, I guess I should ask. So I asked the Lord. I'm like, Lord, am I? do I interpret 
you know, prophecy or things are showing me, do I have a specific filter that I, uh, can interpret things through? And I felt like the Lord said, yes. And I was like, okay, what is this? What is this filter? And I felt like the Lord said, uh, you have a blue collar filter, a blue collar filter. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What is a blue collar filter? And I felt like the Lord was showing me that I have a, um, now blue collar is not bad. I was raised blue collar, which is hardworking, get up on time, um, go do, do a good job for your boss and they will exchange your labor for goods and certain, you know, money. They'll, they'll exchange your labor for money. Um, that's blue collar. Blue collar is not wrong. It's not, it's not a poor person's mentality. It's not a slave mentality, but it's not a kingdom mentality either. It's kind of a give in exchange for mentality. It's a transactional mentality. And there's actually something greater than that that's called a kingdom mentality. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Kurt, if you're going to lead, you know, if you're going to interpret prophecy for your own life in the correct way, or, and you're going to interpret prophecy for this church in the correct way, um, you have to stop looking through a blue-collar mentality because what I do is exponential. The exchange rate I have is exponential. So when you give me something small, I'm going to do something great with it. How many know that when Jesus fed the 5,000, he took a loaf of bread and some a few fish, and he fed 5,000 people with it? This is what the kingdom of God is like. That is a kingdom mentality to think, oh, how can I feed these 5,000 people? Well, we got two fish you know, and a, and a couple loaves of bread. What can we do with that? You know, That's not nearly enough. Boom. The, a kingdom mentality is exponential multiplication. Okay, And so we have to realize in our relationship with the Lord... I don't just do a little bit and then God gives me a little bit in return. Like everything I surrender and everything I give to him, he multiplies and gives back to me a hundred times. Amen. If God asks you to give something up or to tithe or to serve, he's going to multiply that by many times and, and sow that back into your life. He's an exponential God. He's a multiplier. Amen. He's so good. It says this, um, Ephesians 1, 7 uh, through 8. It says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He has showered us with his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. He showered his kindness on you. He didn't just give you a little bit. When you surrendered your life to him, he showered upon you. Another translation says that he's lavished upon us. Um, he's lavished kindness upon us and his love upon us. The word, the word lavish, the word shower there, it's just, it means abundance more than enough, not just a little bit overflow. Amen? This is the kind of God we serve, and this is the way He loves you. He loves you in an overflowing fashion. He loves you in a more than enough fashion. It's kind of like when you have little kids, and you just love their faces, right? And you just want to kiss their faces, and sometimes they're like, easy, easy. It's... Sometimes God's love is more than enough. It's too much, okay? He has too much love for you. All right? This is the kind of God we serve, though. This is the kind of God we serve. He's not vindictive. He's not catty. He's not petty. He's slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. And we want to be like him. We want to be slow to anger, quick to forgive. What do we need to do? We need to receive it. We need to believe it, and we need to receive it. Many of you, most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 12. And we pray this prayer, and I've prayed this prayer many times. Jesus said this, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I don't know if people really understand what that's actually saying, but the word as there, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, means in the same way. So you could literally read this verse like this. Forgive my debts against you, Lord, in the same way that I've forgiven debts against people who have sinned against me. Do we really want to pray that prayer? Do we really want God to forgive us in the same exact fashion that we've forgiven other people? Okay, is that really what we want? Here's the thing about the Lord. Here's the thing about the Lord. Once he, you are forgiven of something, God will never bring it up again. He, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. God will never bring up your sins against you again once you've repented of that thing and given it over to him. If you keep bringing up other people's sins against you, you haven't forgiven them the way the Lord forgave you. I'm going to say that again. If you keep bringing other people's sins against you up, you haven't forgiven them the way that the Lord has forgiven you. Because when he forgave you, he said, I will never bring it up again. We sang the song uh, earlier in, uh, today in the worship set. You know, you know every detail of my life. You are God and you don't miss a thing. He does know everything. He's omniscient. omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But one thing that he's done in, um, is he has chosen, when we ask for forgiveness and we repent of something, he has chosen to forget our sins. He's chosen to forget our past mistakes and our failures. In our home, we have this rule that when we offend one another, we need to ask forgiveness, we need to be sorry for something. Um, once we do that, and the other person says, okay, I forgive you, we, we say, we don't, we don't bring it up again. We don't have the right to bring that up again. Once we've forgiven, that's it. We don't bring it up again, we don't hold it over the other person, we don't guilt them and shame them. We forgive, and then we never bring it up again. You know, now if it happens again, you've got something to talk about and work through. I'm not saying you can't work through things. But this is the way God has forgiven us. He's forgiven us in such a way that he won't bring it up again. If you have a problem forgiving people, many times it's actually that you have a problem receiving this type of love and forgiveness from the Father. What are you doing? You're extending forgiveness the way you perceive to receive it from God. And it's not accurate. This is accurate. Freely you have received. Now as an overflow, overflow from that, we need to freely give. Amen. We need a revelation of God's grace for us. That's how we can extend grace to other people. We're so blessed. We have so much abundance. Now we can give it away. But if you feel like you're just living off of scraps all the time, of course you're going to hold on to things. And of course you're going to not be forgiving. But we have an abundance of grace from the Lord. Okay? So that's point number one. There's a progression here. How do we forgive like God? Number one, we must receive God's forgiveness for ourselves. Point number two we must forgive ourselves. We must forgive ourselves. Again, Pastor Matt Targa, a couple weeks ago, he talked about extending forgiveness to other people. But I want to talk about forgiving ourselves. You're not going to be able to forgive like God if you can't forgive yourself. You know, um, some of the, you know, we've all been around critical people. 
and people who aren't very forgiving or whatever. But listen, critical people are the most critical of themselves. Imagine that that war that's happening in their heart. Um, if you hold yourself in contempt, you will hold others in contempt. Okay? I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pretty good at understanding, like, the Lord's love for me. I'm pretty good at understanding, like, you know, and, and sometimes you have to remind yourself how loving and how merciful and how kind he is. He's amazing. Um, but where I have struggled at times in my life is forgiving myself. Forgiving myself for past failures and mistakes. Um, and one of the reasons I think for that is because my personality, I really hate wasted time. I hate wasted time. And I feel like I have like wasted seasons in my life. You know what I mean? And um, so I've, I've struggled with this throughout my life as well, just forgiving myself for shortcomings. But here's a question I want to ask you. Have you ever done something you're ashamed of? Was it something you did that you shouldn't have done? Was it something you didn't do that you should have done? Many people are haunted by the things they did or the things they didn't do. Things you did. You stole, you lied, you cheated, you lusted, you were unfaithful, you were violent, you slandered, whatever. Or things you didn't do that you should have done. Would have, could have, should have. I mean, some people live with this. Man, if only I had reached out to that person, if only I had talked to them that one last time, maybe they wouldn't have killed themselves. Or maybe if they hadn't left and they were angry, they wouldn't have gotten that car when they were drunk and, and gotten a car accident. I mean, some people live with that. I should have done this. If only I had done this. Listen, that's guilt. And those are things that we have to forgive ourselves for because we need to move forward. Maybe your greatest regret was last week, last night, last year, 5, 10, 15, 20, or even 30 years ago. But today I want to see people, I want to see you set free from unforgiveness of self. And God wants you to be set free from that same unforgiveness of self as well. I believe once we've turned from that thing and once we've repented of that thing, I don't believe God wants to hold that over our heads at all. Amen? We should be humbled by our failures and learn from them, but we should not be haunted by them. It's okay to be humbled by a failure, learn from it, but not haunted by it. I don't believe God wants to be haunted by our failures. To, to be humbled by a failure is to look at the situation, learn from it, Take responsibility, if possible, attempt to right the wrong, but then we have to move forward. To be haunted by a failure is a whole other situation. That situation is hopeless. Okay, We don't want to be haunted by our failures, we just want to be humbled by them. What do we need to do? We need to release ourselves, we need to forgive ourselves. I want to give you maybe a couple keys to forgiving yourself. Um, and, and maybe some of these keys will help you to be able to extend grace to yourselves. One of the things um, I'll do if I have a shortcoming, if I have a past mistake I can't get over, or if there's something I just keep you know, stumbling in, I'll ask the Holy Spirit, I'll say, Lord, why, why do I do the things that I do? <laughs> you know, uh, Why do I keep messing up? You know what I mean? Um, why did I do that, Lord? Can you tell me that? Maybe it's the thing from 30 years ago. Lord, why did I do that? Ask the Holy Spirit why you did that. Many times, um, the, the Lord might give you a different answer, many different answers, but um, I've asked the Lord before. I said, Lord, why did I, 
why did I do that thing, you know, years ago or whatever that I shouldn't have done? And I was reminded of the scripture that Jesus, Jesus prayed on the cross. Jesus prayed on the cross a prayer for people who were crucifying him, which is amazing. He says this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I felt the Lord in the past say to me, Kurt, you didn't know what you're doing. If you had, you wouldn't have done that thing. Okay? Many times it's because we were immature. And if you realize that you were just immature and you didn't know what you're doing, perhaps it is you can extend grace to yourselves. Many times this is the case when we did something we shouldn't have or didn't do something we should have. But the Holy, the Holy Spirit might give you a different answer. He might say you were immature. He might say you were young. He might say you were real lonely and you were trying to self-medicate. You were tired. You had a short fuse. You were angry. You were scared. You were insecure. Whatever it is. Listen, many times when we act out and do something we shouldn't have done, many times it's because there is a legitimate need in our heart that we're trying to get filled and we fill it in a illegitimate way. There's a legitimate need for love, value, acceptance, to not be scared, to not be lonely, that we get filled in a way that we shouldn't, okay? And the Lord might say, hey, you know what? You were just selfish when you did that, but you're not selfish and that's not who you are. That's well, something you did, but that's not who you are. Or he might say, yeah, you were, you were being lustful. That's something that happened to you. You know, there was a hook there, but that's not who you are. Or you just didn't have self-control and you need to have more self-control. Maybe you didn't know what you're doing. The Holy Spirit might show you that you're just simply trying to fulfill a need that was seemingly fulfilled. And maybe you can extend grace to yourself because of that. We need grace from God, but we also have to extend grace from ourselves. And realizing why you did what you did or why you do what you do will actually help you formulate a plan to not fall into it again. Like, we need to know our triggers. Some things just trigger us. And it's like, man, why did I react that way? Oh, I was, I was lonely. Oh, why did I react that way? Oh, I was really insecure. That person said that thing that really set me off. We need to know what our triggers are so that we can formulate a plan to avoid these pitfalls. Amen? If you know why you did what you did, you'll know that there are areas of life that maybe you need a shorter leash and more accountability. Some of us in some areas, we need a shorter leash in some areas. And that's okay. Because we are, if we understand what our triggers are, we understand the things that make us do what we do. But I'll conclude with this. In the Bible, you have Peter and you have Judas. Both of them failed in similar ways. In a sense, they both denied the Lord. Peter denied the Lord and Judas betrayed the Lord. Both of them have a massive failure, but Peter's story ended much different than Judas's story. Peter was able to find the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And Judas went this other route. He went this route um, because, listen, we are wired for justice, and Judas knew what he did was wrong. We are wired for justice. And what he did was he aligned himself with the punisher, and he brought justice to himself by by killing himself. Okay? We have to align with the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus and not be the punisher of ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves and extend mercy and grace to ourselves. 
I don't know where everyone's at. Maybe you live free and you know that everything's under the blood and you don't struggle with anything. But I suspect there are some people here you need to forgive yourself. Maybe it was something from last night, last week, last year, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Perhaps it is the case that there's something that haunts you that only you know about. Your spouse doesn't know about it. Maybe only you and God know about that. And it still haunts you because you can't forgive yourself for that thing. I believe God wants to set you free this morning. God's not bringing it up. It's just haunting you because you haven't been able to release that and forgive yourself. And I'm not saying you need to go tell everyone what it is or find someone. If, if you have someone you trust and you can talk about it, great. I'm not saying you need to do that. But I am saying God wants to set you free. He wants you to forgive yourself the way that he's forgiven you. And he doesn't want to bring it up anymore. I'm going to pray for some people this morning and I'm just going to ask the Lord to just set us free from, from that. So father, we love you. I thank you Lord for every individual in this place, Lord. And I don't know specific examples of what perhaps is haunting people from their past, but Lord, I, uh, we give this to you, Lord. If you just put your hands out and whatever that is that comes to mind that you need to forgive yourself for, I just, just right now in your hands, just God, we give that to you. We give that to you right now. And we just say, God, take this. God, give us beauty for ashes, strength for tears, gladness for mourning, Lord. We're giving you this disappointment, this failure, this thing we messed up in, Lord, because we know that you're going to take it and you're going to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, Lord. And I just pray that once and for all, there are people here that need to get set free from their past and set free from the guilt, God, because your blood covered it all, Lord Jesus. You don't want us encumbered by the things of the past and our failures, Lord God. You want us to be able to move forward, Lord. And so I bless your people. Holy Spirit, go beyond what my words can say and my, my prayer can be, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to go beyond and do heart work in individuals' lives right now in Jesus' name. And set hearts free, Lord. You want us free. You want us to run unencumbered, Lord. So I bless your people today. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you guys?